This is LJN Radio. Thanks for listening to Management Decisions, our look at important topics that are affecting HR and really organizations as a whole. Now, that will include the old company or employee handbook and some of the, really in some cases, just foolish provisions that you might find. And we do have Jim Weber joining us once again, this time to take to task some of the more head-scratching rules that he has actually seen. Now, Jim does have 25 years of experience as an employment lawyer and a human resources manager, so clearly he has some inside track to this type of situation. You can also check out his blog, Evil Skippy at Work. I highly recommend it, where he does give a lot of great information, but he does guise it in a little bit of humor and snark. Jim, thanks again for coming on the show. I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's great. So this time we're tackling a subject that uh, everybody I'm sure has touched on in some capacity, and that's the handbook, whether you want to call it a company handbook, employee handbook, however you want to phrase that. But I wanted to start by asking you, first of all, why are these truly important, despite uh, how we might get into some humor with all of them here in the in near future, as well as what are the challenges to actually crafting a quality handbook? Well, I, I think handbooks are important. I mean, for one reason, employees expect them. They mm-hmm. like just they like to see that information. But it's it's a good tool for new employees and existing employees to have some of the basics at an easy to find spot. Whether it's an online handbook or something you know that they took home with them in a, in a printed one, whatever whatever format it's in. But you know, being able to have some of the basics down that you can refer to easily, I think that's a plus. And also setting out some clear statements of what what is important to you as an employer and as a workplace right. so that it, it's a tool for making expectations clear for people coming in coming into work for you and i think that's always a good thing sure how about the challenges though as far as being able to craft something that's going to touch on a number of different areas as you said cover some subjects and topics that uh, you know might be a little touchy in some cases well the the challenges are the handbook is a legal document uh-huh. in that it is often used in lawsuits <laughs> to show here's what here's what the employer stands for or what they promised or what they told employees and so it brings in the specter of the legal world but it doesn't have to because it's a community it's really a communications tool to employees okay. but the cha- the challenge is to make sure you're you're communicating in a way that is friendly and light without creating a lawsuit that didn't need to be there and without embarrassing yourself because you're putting something in the handbook that's ludicrous that people looking at it will wonder what was wrong with your HR people. Which is exactly why we have you on to talk about (laughs) some of those instances. Not that you participated in such chicanery, but uh, maybe that you've witnessed this or uh, has come to your attention. We did get a list from you from your blog, uh, Evil Skippy at Work, with some of these kind of foolish and ridiculous, uh, at least in my mind, provisions that we've seen in a handbook. So I guess I want to start there as far as specific examples of some of those foolish ideas. What are one or two of your favorites or least favorite, depending on how you want to look at it? Yeah. Well, I call them favorites because I love laughing at oh, other good. people's mistakes. You know, if they made the mistake, that's great. You know, and I, I'm all for pointing them out. One of my favorites, it just because it made me laugh out loud the first time I saw it. I, when I was still practicing employment law, I, the handbook review was a big deal to the law practice. In right. fact, law firms is a big moneymaker for them. I was starting to review in the very first section of this handbook that I'm reviewing had a very friendly, welcoming, personal personal statement from the company president. And it was telling them how he personally was glad he was working there and he could not wait to shake hands with each one of them. It oh. sounded so great. Oh, yeah. it sounds great. It was perfect. That's nice. The, the problem was I was reading this handbook in the year 2001 and this company president named by name in this statement had died in 1998. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Unless you're in The Walking Dead, you're not going to shake hands with that guy. Oh. Um, you know, so <laughs> that one, I mean, that's an example. If they get out of date in an obvious way, it's like, okay, what's wrong with your people? <laughs> that one made me laugh. I had to go to the dry cleaner with the spewed coffee on that one. So check I, to make sure that all participants are still breathing would be a good start. I would go one step further when it comes to a handbook. Don't name a live person unless your company is so big that, you know, the person, you know, the, the, the head of your company is known to everybody. Okay, use that, use right, that. Right. But if it's not such a person, you don't, you don't have to put the person's name in any of the provisions because if something happens, they don't have to die. They could just resign. You have to, you know, reprint every single handbook or republish every page or edit it for your online one. So it can make a lot of hassle. And that is part of the reason we're talking about these, not just to have a little laugh and, and scratch our heads a little bit, but there should be a lesson behind each one of these possible mistakes. Well, it's like evil Skippy at work. I try to be funny and insulting, but then also throw in a lesson. So there, that was what it does. <laughs> Sounds good to me. You have another favorite uh, one of yours? Yeah, this one also made me laugh. It was a different handbook. It wasn't the same company. That's, a, but that's I was, good. <laughs> I was going through the dress code. And I get to this line that said, employees are expected to wear undergarments at all times. Oh, man. Now, Tim, if you were a supervisor, <laughs> how would you find out if your employee was wearing their underwear or not? Uh, probably illegally <laughs> if I was a, a creep kind of manager. But <laughs> And we're going to talk about harassment cases in another one someday. So <laughs> yeah. can you imagine that as a harass? I wasn't harassing the employee, Your Honor. I was just checking to see if they were wearing their underwear. Sounds like a fair point. Yeah, I, don't know. I think, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> of course, you don't want a blind supervisor then because then they could only check with their hands and that would be an even worse case. But we don't even have to go there. Yeah, I I'm, think not, I I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Exactly the point. You should not touch your employees. That should be in the handbook. Yeah, yeah that, that should be. That probably should be in the handbook. <laughs> and you never, I mean, it should be common sense, but I would argue, I'm guessing from your experience, common sense doesn't always come through in the handbook or with the employees in general. My experience is that common sense is not common yeah. at all. <laughs> so, and in the handbooks, it's even worse because between grammatical errors, mm. sloppy writing, changing law, changing times, Unless you keep up to date on the handbook, it can become out of date or embarrassing really quick. Do you think employers underestimate that as far as things like grammar and just being well written because they just see it as, oh, well, it's a handbook. They just need kind of the nuts and bolts. But do you think it affects employees when they see something that's a little sloppy or lazy? You know, I think it affects some employees because it shows a lack of professionalism. It maybe shows a lack of sophistication in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, even if your own writing skills aren't so good, you at least want to think that the official company documents are going to look good. <laughs> I, I think it can make a difference. I think a lot of people probably don't care at all. Okay. But I think overall, if they're going to go through the trouble and it's an official corporate document or material like this, I think people have an expectation that it at least looks clear and it doesn't have glaring problems like that. Right. It makes a bad impression. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And I would probably one of those people who would at least have some sort of impact uh, as far as seeing that goes. So uh, as you said, it, it's not going to help you really in any way. Let's get to some more specific examples. A couple that I came across, as I mentioned, uh, as well as on your blog there. Employees are expected to give 48 hours notice before missing work for any illness. I don't know about you, Tim, but I always plan my flu so that I know when I'm going to get it. That's so very can, courteous of you. Know, you. Yeah. I am. And, and if I'm going to get hit by a car on the way to work, I only do it on a day that I planned it ahead. <laughs> I, 
I just find that one ludicrous. And I've, I've had HR managers get defensive with me when I start talking about it because they'll say how they need that notice. They need that notice. <laughs> and I say, okay, tell me what you would do to give your boss that notice. Right. Well, you can't always give that notice. Oh, I see. <laughs> Everybody else, but not you. I guess the thing for all handbook provisions, not just ones like this for attendance, you have to look at it and say, does it make sense? And is it applicable in real life? Mm -hmm. And that's just not applicable in real real life. That one we edited very quickly. And we just said, employees are expected to notify their supervisor as soon as they are aware they are not going to be able to report for their shift. So, you know, and that's still within reason. If you're unconscious, you know, you can't. But once you're (laughs) conscious and, and can reach a phone, you should call. And once again, if you're interested, this goes back to that equal versus fair kind of idea that we talked about in a previous podcast on our myth versus reality. Exactly, exactly, exactly like that. Uh, Another one that I uh, chuckled at a little bit, I guess because it's understood, but to actually see it in in writing is a little disturbing. Uh, So it mentioned in the introduction that this company's thrilled to have you on our team. (laughs) Please remember that we can terminate your employment at any time with or without notice. Your thoughts? Oh, I'm laughing already. That when I saw that one, I went, "What? What a wonderful sentiment!" You know, we love you, but we could kill you. Um, you know, I get it. I get it because handbooks get reviewed by lawyers, mm-hmm. and the the one thing that lawyers tell companies about the handbook is make absolutely sure that you have have something in there that says the handbook is not a contract and it maintains your right to terminate employees at will. I mean, it's, it's one of the important things for employees. You do not want to create a contract unless you meant to create a contract, either with a personal contract or a union contract or something like that. Right. You know, don't do it by accident in the handbook. But what that means is, I, I saw one handbook where on the bottom of every single page, Ooh. the employer wrote, this is not a contract. This is not a contract. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I, of course, asked them, I said, now, did you want this to be a contract? And they all spluttered and said, no, did you look at that? And they just... You know, they didn't have a sense of humor. Right, right. Um, but the one you you cited, it was an example of that. This employer knew that they're supposed to put the disclaimer in, but they also knew they wanted to make a warm, welcoming statement. So they thought, well, I'll put them both at once. So because that's how they explained it. They said, we didn't want that employment at will statement to seem mean. So we right. we also said we love to have you. So well, that's great. So you don't look mean. You just look bipolar. I mean, <laughs> it's. What do you mean? You can put those statements like in the introduction of the handbook or at the end or somewhere else, but you want to look at context. And if, you know, the big welcoming statement was just completely eviscerated by the, and yet we can terminate you at any time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I can see that pushed in the back somewhere, you know, not necessarily in the intro. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's got to be prominent enough because that's the first thing in in law. Handbooks come up in in employment discrimination lawsuits and employment wrongful termination lawsuits all the time. And one of the first things that is, that's looked at is how prominent is the statement that it's not a contract. Okay. And what that, what that means is, would a reasonable average employee looking at this handbook have understood it to be a statement of general guidelines and not a formal agreement? And that's how you decide the prominence. And so I would typically put a little introductory paragraph before all the warm and fuzzy stuff starts later. <laughs> that contains a real brief statement of that. And you don't have to go overboard and oh, I love handbooks that cite the case law that created employment at will cases and things. You know, <laughs> as it was recognized in Marbury versus Madison, it's like, who cares? <laughs> you know? Again, excellent practical advice from Jim Weber as far as uh, <laughs> helping you out with this process or any other for that matter. Uh, let's get to a couple more. 
I don't know why this one stood out, and maybe it was a, a southwestern state or, or something, but uh, in an EEO statement, we do not allow discrimination in this workplace, especially against Hispanics. Can you fill me in on that one? Because I, I don't even know what to say for that. Well, I could tell you the real story behind Good. it with this, with this client, <laughs> but I will first tell you my reaction. When I read that, I was completely befuddled. I went, well, I'm Norwegian, don't I get protection? <laughs> you know? uh, what, what about those poor people from Poland or wherever? And it, it just, I could, I was befuddled. I mean, I, I always say, I think I've seen it all, <laughs> but I, I should have, I should know not to say that, yeah, in, yeah. In, especially employment law, it comes up. This employer, it turned out that before they had recently revised, or the last time they had revised the handbook, they had had a lawsuit. And the person who had filed the lawsuit was Hispanic. And when this person filed the lawsuit, one of their arguments was the employer had a discrimination policy but that they clearly didn't apply the policy to people who were Hispanic. And so in order to prevent that kind of lawsuit again, they put this emphasis in it. So future Hispanic <laughs> employees would not say it. And I said, well, what I asked them, I said, well, what happens if you have an African-American employee that makes the same argument? They said, oh, okay, we get it. So they revised the handbook and it said, especially Hispanics and African-Americans. Oh my but gosh. Said, no, that's not where we were going. <laughs> not where we were going. <laughs> so. See, and I guess for me, if I would have seen, uh, I am also of Norwegian descent, so uh, we're, we're in good company here. Oofta. But if I see specifically, you know, we don't want discrimination, especially against this group, and I'm not part of that group, I immediately think, well, they have a problem specifically yeah. with my group. Not that they're going to be even better toward me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go be the pioneer to try to help you get yeah. over this. Yeah. Good luck, guys. Yeah, it does. It does look like, oh, okay, I'll walk in here. I'll have a big old target on my back. Right. Yeah. But aside from the fact that it's, it's obviously a little foolish to oh, single yeah. out any or a group in, in that capacity. so Yeah, I'd go as far as to say it's idiotic, but you're probably nicer than me. <laughs> well, again, that's how we have you on the show. You could call it nice or you could call it uh, censored, but you, you bring the honest truth, and I like that. Uh, let me get to one more, then I'll, we'll check back with you, see if you had any others that popped in your head. Again, this goes to, I guess, just understanding what you're talking about and, and what you're putting in the handbook. You mentioned that there was a 200-plus page employee handbook that include many useless provisions, and it bragged about the company's commitment to recycling and not wasting precious resources, you know, like paper in a 200-page <laughs> employee handbook. You know, that one, same thing. And this was not an online handbook, by the way. This was one that they printed up oh, and they boy. gave to all 500 and something of their employees. I mean, I think a small redwood forest somewhere was cut down to make their book. You know, it goes to internal consistency and mm -hmm. whatnot, because when an employer is trying to make themselves look big and wonderful, but they make a statement that is not true, that just hurts hurts their credibility with their employees. And one like this that not only isn't true, but is so obviously a ridiculous statement in context makes it look like not only are you trying to you know blow smoke at us and trick us, you're also not all that bright. So uh, <laughs> it, it made a bad impression. It made a bad impression. And if you're going to brag about how good you are at something, you should be able to back it up. Right. Well, yeah. And I think what you said there right at the beginning of your response, the idea of consistency, I think that's a perfect sentiment when you're talking about this statement and for everything that you see in the handbook. Correct. Correct. Consistency is always important. Yep. Well, Jim, unfortunately, we're getting right up against the clock, but I wanted to give you the floor. You can give me another prime example of a foolish or idiotic in your term uh, 
employee handbook provision or if you just wanted to give us a general statement on how you feel about and you know, what people do with these and, and how to be better really wow that's a loaded <laughs> question i do we have a two-hour version or i'll no. let you i'll let you keep <laughs> we can cut it up part two part three it's all good oh man you know we you've covered so we've covered some of my all-time favorites already another one that i always i always like is this handbook i read and this was about a year ago it went on and on about how and when employees could use the payphone in the break room. What's a payphone? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and this place used to have a payphone in wow. their break room, but they had had it removed about five years earlier because <laughs> nobody was using it. Yet it was still in the handbook, and they'd revised it a few times since then. And it, it, the employees, it turned out, always joked about it as well when they saw that in the handbook. So that that one stood out. That one stood out for me as well. Oh, and there was one that referred to Armistice, Armistice Day. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changed <laughs> the name, what, 1950? <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is review your handbook at least every... You know, I would. it doesn't... First of all, if it's a big job to review your handbook, you got a problem because right. a lot of people say I don't review it because it takes too long. But I would say every year at least. Okay. And by review, I mean somebody there reviewing it. I'm not saying send it out to a lawyer and get a legal fee for doing it. Mm. Read it and just ask yourself: Is this still pertinent to our workplace? Did anything change that this doesn't apply anymore? And you know, you're the HR person. You should be knowing if the HR laws change. Did something else change that we need to now reflect in the handbook? You know, when the FMLA came out, when the ADA came out, sure. and the handbooks went crazy. Same thing now. If something new happens, you'd have to be up to date on that. I think a perfect place for us to leave off there. Uh, Jim, as always, appreciate you coming on, giving us, uh, again, some really good information and some practical advice to go along with the humorous side. And as we like to say, a little bit of snark. So thanks again. Hey, you're welcome. It was my pleasure as always. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of Management Decisions as we've been talking about employee handbooks and really some of those foolish provisions that you might find if you take a look through your own employee handbook. We've been discussing that with Jim Weber. You can find him at jimweber.net. That's W-E-B-B-E-R.net. You can also find him Evil Skippy at Work. It's a great blog where he uses his experience to talk about some of these interesting topics with a little bit of humor. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at the LJN. You can also send us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. And we also encourage you to check out all of our podcasts at ljnradio.com. For everyone here at the Local Job Network, I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. <laughs>